Why did Jesus touch the leper? Obviously, he didn't have to. And everything the Lord did was intentional. He didn't just react to it. He did everything for a reason. And of course, the all-powerful God who created the universe with his word had no need to stretch out his hand to touch this man so that he can heal him. So again, why then did Jesus touch this leper? The most common explanation that the early fathers gave is that Jesus wanted to show that he was God, that he was not, like everyone else, under the hand of the law, but that the law was in his hand. Now, there is another also ancient interpretation, explanation of this event, which is not as common, but is very important for us. They say that Jesus touched the leper so that he can instruct us in humility. So how is this event, this healing, a lesson in humility, understanding by humility to live in the truth in two ways. The first one is the humility of Jesus toward the leper. The Lord wanted to teach us that we should despise no one because of a wound, whether physical or moral. Humility towards someone else means, again, living in the truth, knowing who that person is, deep down, meaning a child of God, and not falling into the common error of identifying someone with his or her wound. It can be tempting at times to just simply want to keep people whom in some way we may consider lepers, to use an expression from the first reading, outside a camp of our lives, far from us because of those wounds that we don't really like. So whether we think about this or not, we can try to have a safe life and so become too selective judgmental and proud. But how can people who suffer heal if we keep them outside a camp of our lives, if we don't stretch out a hand of our charity, of our mind, and try to humbly help them? The second lesson of humility is something that we learn from the humility of the leper toward Jesus. If we think about the conditions in which this man lived, which we heard especially in the first reading, very, very harsh way of living, excluded from everyone and everything. This man, humanly speaking, had every reason to be bitter, to complain, and to demand. He could have said to Jesus, look, everyone is healthy. And everyone is loved, and I am sick, and I am lonely. It's been too long. This is enough. It's unfair. So you have to make me clean. But he was humble, and he knew who he was, and he knew who Jesus was. So knowing his place, he knelt down and prayed with great humility. If you wish, you can make me clean. What a beautiful, 
humble way of praying. If you wish, you can make me clean. The leper's humility moved the heart of Christ. And the humility of Christ healed the leper's wounds, the wounds of his body, but also the sore of his loneliness. As we can see then, humility, unlike what we may think, is actually a very powerful thing. Now, it is easy to grow prideful, especially when we face real trouble and real injustice. We try to understand, to find an explanation, to find someone who's guilty about this, and to fix things. We want to fix things. And many times that comes with a lot of pride. But humility, unlike pride, is always, at some point eventually, truly fruitful. It heals, and it does make a lasting difference. I had a very powerful experience about this a week ago. I spent some time praying before the tomb of Pope Benedict. And it was beautiful. I spent quite a bit of time there to see just a lot of people coming and praying to him. At some point, then, there was a group of, I don't know, if tourists or pilgrims that were from Spain. And a tour guide, a very learned woman, was explaining about all these different tombs of popes. This is the crypt of St. Peter's Basilica. And when they arrived to the tomb of Pope Benedict, she said this. She said, this is a tomb of Pope Benedict, who was the humblest pope we've had. He was also the wisest, the smartest pope of all history, but more important than that is his humility. She kept explaining a few things, but I was deeply moved by that, and I waited, and then I approached her and said, I just want to thank you for saying that, because you know, it's not common to hear that, and it's wonderful that you can tell people who he was. I mean, he was so misunderstood, and it really is a great thing. And we talked for a little bit. And then she shared this story. She said, Father Amorth, I don't know if that name means anything, but he was the main exorcist in the Diocese of Rome. So obviously, a lot of experience with the supernatural things. So Father Amorth told her that Obviously, when Pope Benedict was still alive, he would invoke, use the name of Pope Benedict in his exorcisms. And that again and again, he would find the demons being terrified and could not stand the name of Pope Benedict. It was so powerful. So Father Amor, this venerable, holy, old exorcist, trying to understand why one day asked a demon, commanded him, in the name of Jesus, I command you to tell me, why do you react like that to the name of Pope Benedict? And after struggling, the demon finally said, because of his humility. Isn't that interesting and wonderful that the humility of a man who was misunderstood by so many within and without the church who certainly did great things, but you could also say, humanly speaking, did not accomplish many things, in the end, is powerful enough as to overcome demons. And this is a great lesson. 
God wants to win his battles through humility, not through pride. Through humility as he did in Christ on the cross and as he does through his saints. The church does not need pride. People trying to fix everything and judge everyone else. The church today more than ever needs humility. Christ needs humble disciples. Lent, among other things, can really be an excellent occasion for us to try to work more, growing in the virtue of humility. May then, with humility, we reach out to those whose wounds we may despise. May we always pray with humility. And so may we be more like Jesus. May we be more like the saints. This is what will make a lasting difference in our times.